0: As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business
1: further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com businessgoldcard Business Gold
2: This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keane, along with Paul Sweeney. Join us each day for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. You can also watch the show live on YouTube. Visit the Bloomberg Podcast channel on YouTube to see the show weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern. From our global headquarters in New York City. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen. And always on Bloomberg Radio, the Bloomberg Terminal, and the Bloomberg Business App. What you do when you have a jumble of a day like yesterday, is you call somebody that can synthesize it across economics and markets. David Rosenberg coming up later. But right now, Michael Darter with us with Roth MKM, their chief economist and market strategist as well michael we haven't done it yet this morning let's dive into the inflation statistic do you believe as i heard others robin brooks i thought was outstanding on twitter last night that some of this is a january effect where you get jump conditions in certain service sector
3: inflation subsets hi tom thanks for having me on look this was not a good report uh for the january cpi the core number accelerated pretty dramatically Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if you're stripping, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, housing and the rental inflation. Even if you take that out, the Fed looks at a gauge of non-energy services prices, excluding housing, and that accelerated pretty dramatically. So the markets did not take this well. When you're priced for for perfection and you have a setback, then you see a dump like we had yesterday. All of that said, you know, let's not go into a complete panic over one number. Uh, the Fed does focus on the PCE deflator, which is a different index, and there's been a pretty big gap between the, the two. If you look at the, the core inflation readings from the PCE deflator over the last seven months, they're you know basically in line with the Fed's target, 1.9 um, percent average annualized growth. But the CPI, core CPI readings have been much higher, and the divergence is about triple the historical average. Usually, the CPI runs... 30 to 50 basis points above the PCE deflator. And, you know, we're, we're seeing a gap about three times as wide now. So if we take a step back, you know, I think that, the you know, the, the, the CPI data could be overstating the inflation problem here. Nominal spending, if you look at nominal final sales to the private sector, um, over the course of time that we've had these better PCE, core PCE readings, we've Essentially, slowed to trend. So, if aggregate demand, total spending in the economy, has slowed to the trend, then that's going to take the inflation pressure off uh, over time. So, let's not completely right. go into a full-blown panic over one number here.
0: And M- Michael, you know, I'm looking at the, you know, kind of how the market traded yesterday. I mean, the in- indexes were off, you know, kind of one and a half percent ish. Uh, volume was kind of in line. It seemed like a reasonable. Kind of market response after kind of the, the big rips we've seen in November, December. And I agree. Some strength. And yeah. maybe it's just a healthy day in the market yesterday.
3: Oh, no doubt about it, um, Paul. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the run that we've seen, especially in the S&P 500, led by Infotech and Consumer Discretionary, basically it's seven stocks dominating the index. I mean, these valuations have really become stretched, and when you have a momentum market, it doesn't take much. It just needs to be some change of the narrative, whether it's sustained or not. And you see what we saw yesterday. So you just can't have a straight-up market. We're we're starting to move into pretty unhealthy territory where you start to get worried about uh, what could be on the other side. I mean, these kinds of valuations tend to to be rarely seen in history and never sustained. So we're at levels now where you're priced to perfection, and you do have to worry about threats to the, you know, the perfect narrative unfolding.
0: So <clears throat> part of that part of that narrative, Michael, is kind of the, the Federal Reserve, obviously. And I think the, uh, you know, the market's expectation is that that March is clearly off the table. Fed Chairman Jay Powell was pretty clear about that on those recent comments. But now the I guess the focus has shifted to May or June for the initiation of some rate cuts. Did yesterday's data kind of change your view? Where, where do you think the Fed's going to come out here?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, our, our thought was that the Fed was probably going to, to push back on the timing and, and both the timing and magnitude of the easing expectations that were in the market. Uh, even if you think the economy is going to underperform this year, I mean, the Fed's framework is to look at slack in the labor market. You know, we've had a, you know, we haven't really had a material increase in slack in the labor market yet, uh, just very, yeah. just very minimal. And they're watching things like financial conditions, which, you know, based on our market discussion, have eased pretty dramatically. So right. I wasn't surprised to see Powell push back. And then if you get data like we saw, you know, with the, with the CPI readings for January, then that just yeah. reinforces it. So I do think they're going to be pretty cautious in terms of when they start this process And, you know, we'll see. You know, obviously we'll have more data before we get to the May meeting. But, yes, for sure, uh, March looks like it.
2: I'm going to go wonk right now. You can do this with Michael (laughs) Darda. I'm doing an event, and and Michael Darda, a kid comes up to me. And on his phone, he has his email from when he was an intern at Bloomberg and we were talking about the ambiguity of Hicksian and Slutskian uh, income distribution and substitution effect. Oh boy. We're not gonna go over this on Valentine's Day. Thank you. But, but Michael, what's great about this is it identifies a Euclidean ambiguity of our microeconomics. Right now, we've got macro ambiguity with higher interest rates. Can we have a good economy and a good stock market we pop nominal GDP and get a better revenue stream than expected?
3: Well, I think that has been the, the story, Tom, right? I mean, we're sitting here talking about an interest rate structure that none of us thought was likely uh, several years ago, right? Right. And so that's really been driven by the business cycle, the, the vigorousness of the upswing from the COVID recession and, you know, and, and the inflationary environment that we've been in. So, um, you know, if you want to get wonky here, it means that the neutral interest rate, the Vixillian equilibrium rate is higher yep. in a setting like we've had than in the last business cycle where we had very slow growth, very low inflation, a lot of deleveraging pressures, right? So this is, you know, this is something that's that's quite different. Uh-huh. What makes this tricky going forward is, you know, is the Fed actually restrictive now, or is the Fed not restrictive? And there's a big debate about that. People talking about financial conditions are too loose, so the Fed really isn't restrictive. But uh, let's drill into markets. If we look at forward-looking measures of inflation expectations, you know, those have reverted to levels that are consistent with price stability. That was not the case when we went into the early innings of the Fed tightening. Those. Right inflation break even spreads are telling the Fed they were really miles behind the curve. That's not the case now, so the mm-hmm. Fed actually does have the real rate if you use forward looking right. inflation expectations at pretty cyclically high levels, and I do think that is going to mean the you know the economy okay. is going to continue to slow too, if not below trend. And well. the trick for the Fed will be the timing on starting the rate cuts. If they're too late, then you get a recession. If they're too soon, then you're going to have yeah. persistent inflation. Easy so that's decision. The yeah. <laughs> Easy decision, right? Michael Darter,
2: Easy. thank you, thank you, thank you. On short notice today after what we saw yesterday, Michael Darter with us.
0: Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority. By providing financial professionals with straightforward client-ready resources from clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take
1: your business further with a smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card.
2: Party emails in and says, Tom, get the sequence straight. Paul, save him.
0: Yes, absolutely. We can do that right now because uh, people are trying to get a sense here, given that sell-off we had yesterday. Kind of, What does it all mean here um, as we think about what the Fed's going to do and what these equity markets are going to do? So we figured it was a good time to check in with Gina Martin. Adam, she leads all of our equity strategy for Bloomberg Intelligence. Gina, I guess I was looking at yesterday's trading. It's just a normal, healthy pullback in reaction to a data point that the market wasn't discounting Um, not much more than that am i being naive there
4: no i don't think you're being naive i just think there is a degree of volatility in rates markets it's really difficult for the equity market to absorb on a daily basis there was nothing in the inflation report frankly that was terribly damaging for the profits outlook for companies as a matter of fact when we look at the long-term scheme of things CPI holding in pretty steady with PPI decelerating and import prices falling is a great environment for margin growth for the S&P 500. That's been the characteristic that has defined the margin recovery of the last year. So the inflation report in and of itself was not necessarily damaging to the outlook for stocks, but it did clearly create a lot of rate volatility. And the rates market seems to be incredibly frenetic. That is creating some valuation disruption for the equity market, as there is some follow-through <laughs> from rates onto stocks. Frankly, though, when we just surpassed five thousand, we had yep. a very strong momentum in the S and P five hundred. A couple bit of near a couple near-term breadth breakdowns last week. Would have suggested that we yeah. were due for some sort of modest consolidation phase in the index anyway.
2: So here's what I do. I'm only doing this to pretend, Gina, you know, if the radio gig doesn't work out, YouTube and CarPlay, I can go work for Gina. Sure. We you all, know, yep. carry her coffee. Yep. And Gina, what I would do here is I take two standard deviations trading envelope off of the VIX. And the VIX here huh? is at 14.62, doing better than 18 at one point yesterday. Even with the 18 spike yesterday, I didn't get a Fibonacci across the two standard Uh-oh. deviations.
0: Lost me. The,
2: the Fibonacci was 18.62 center tendency. We didn't even get back to center tendency. And now we're back down to a 23% Fibonacci. The answer is we are so far advanced. We need a huge pullback to normalize, don't we?
4: Well, we would, and certainly you would normally see greater than 2% down days start to emerge if we were moving into some sort of bigger, longer term corrective process. You know, these one to 2% days, anything less than 2% is frankly just a normal trading day in the world of equities. So to have stocks down relatively modestly yesterday, yeah, it's a down day, and we hadn't become terribly accustomed to those down days over the last several weeks of gains. But it's a normal down day in the grand scheme of things. Really with the VIX, we don't worry about anything under 20. Frankly, Thank long you. term, you mm-hmm. usually see Thank a VIX you. spike to 20 as indicative of underlying okay. volatility weakness emerging.
2: I mean, I, I bought my first shares off triple leveraged all cash, Paul, like three days ago, and I'm way underwater. That's
0: all right. It's all right. Yeah. You're taking a long term view here. Uh, Gina, we're about 75% of the way through the earnings cycle here. I kind of feel like it's not getting much attention, it's all fed this, fed that. What are you you taking away in your team in terms of what we've seen in the earnings cycle?
4: I know you're absolutely right, Paul. It's been a really fascinating earnings season, actually, because the S&P 500 is on track to post greater than 6% earnings growth. The consensus coming into this season was for less than two. So we're talking S&P 500 earnings growth at triple the pace that that was expected by the consensus. 80% of companies have also beat expectations. That is substantially better than long-term average of 65, and even better than the post-COVID average, which has been abnormally high. So, very strong earnings growth, at least relative to expectations. When we exclude the energy sector, which remember, energy is something we've been watching very carefully because it is a net problem for the rest of the index when energy stocks are doing well. Excluding the energy sector, you're looking at 10% earnings growth for the S&P 500 and stronger breath, stronger recovery emerging for most sectors into the first and second quarter of this year. So it has gone largely unnoticed or at least uncommented on as the Fed has taken a lot of mind share. But frankly, the earnings numbers are, are much better than expected and, and painting a pretty solid backdrop for stocks right now.
0: And I know you guys uh, on your team, Gina, look at, at margins and the, and the trends in margins. Yep. Are, are these quality earnings from what you can tell
4: at this stage? Yeah, it's mixed. To be quite honest, it's very mixed by sector, very mixed by industry. When we look at margins, net income margins do appear to be improving faster than operating margins, which I don't want to call it a red flag, but it's something to watch for for pervasiveness. You really want to see both net income margins and operating margins improving. We're not yet there on the operating margin line, which does suggest that there may be some Um, income statement manipulations that are helping to improve margins. So we wanna watch pretty carefully. That said, certain sectors are improving very significantly, namely tech and communications, while other sectors like energy and materials are big drags. That to me is not necessarily a bad sign. Energy and materials are commodity sensitive sectors. They are cost inputs for a lot of the other groups in the S&P, so the index can sustain improving fundamental conditions if these two sectors
2: are the weak spots. Uh, Gina Martin-Adams, thank you so much. I wanna color this because I think it's generational as we go to Alex Webb in London on technology. You're a kid from, you know, like pretty basic means. You play hockey. You end up, Paul, at the Rhode Island School of Design, and then you invent this strange thing where you have an apartment and you can rent it out <laughs> and it's another play story of course it's airbnb and this is uh, brian uh, chesky we're talking about and what's fascinating to me is all of a sudden he's a grown-up yes. six billion dollars share oh, buyback yeah. <laughs> uber all of a sudden they're a grown-up with the generational you know and, and alex webb is so wise he can you know do the generational tilt alex webb is Silicon Valley, in a broad sense, is tech growing up?
5: Yeah, I mean, Facebook's the kind of, like, prime example of that as well, Meta. You know, they doing massive buybacks uh, as well. I actually wrote a piece just last week where they're really becoming a lot more like Apple. They're realizing that, that shareholders care about cash at the moment in a way that they perhaps didn't in, in those heady years a few years ago when it was all about growth. They're obviously not they're not exactly value stocks, but uh, there's a, a massive pivot, which, you know, is sensible giving the market dynamics.
0: And we actually saw Meta initiate a, 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 you know, token dividend, but kind of a dividend in line with a yield that's in line with Apple. So maybe that's a little bit of a trend there, Alex.
5: It's, it certainly looks that way. And, you know, you think also about all the the increased focus on uh, on efficiency, which is, you know, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. a euphemism in many in many um, cases for job cuts. Um, when you look at the sort of average revenue per employee at a company like like Meta or like Amazon, it fell massively, actually, in the years up to the pandemic because they were just hiring yep. with such gusto. What we've seen in the past sort of 6, 8, 12 months is that there seems to be an increased focus on that number that they have realized that their employees are not that they're working less efficiently, essentially, because they have too many of them. So we've seen massive reductions in headcount as a consequence.
0: So, Alex, we, we did get Uber, uh, another one of those names, one of those gig economy uh, companies that's really come into its own with maybe some some new management with our customer Shahi. Now they've got a buyback here. Uh, yeah. That seems to validate them as a, I guess, adults in the room kind of thing.
5: Yeah. And it's like, you know, ultimately, it's not a company that's that's growing anywhere near at the pace it was, you yep. know, if you think about back in 2022, when you had like, of course, they did some acquisitions as well, which turbocharged it, but, you know, revenue almost doubled in a 12 month period. Now it's the market's looking for a sort of 15, 16% growth rate. This year, but crucially, it is now profitable. Right? Yep. That was not the case for the most of its existence for about you know, fifteen years or something of its existence. Only a decade. It was not a. It's not a profitable company now. That's why it's interesting as well with Lyft at the moment because, you know, the yeah. they are expected to post a profit at least on an operating basis for the first time this year. That that's meaningful. Um, shouldn't be, probably, given the way we've used uh, to companies. But in the world of tech, it, isn't, it hasn't been a given.
2: <clears throat> Alex Webb with us in London here on technology. Alex, one of our uh, emailers, uh, uh, thank you for emailing in. Huge Alex Webb fan. And they say, <laughs> Tom, cut the chat on these rich guys. Alex Webb, are you returning your vision, Pro? Are you just saying enough, it doesn't work?
5: <laughs> if I was a rich guy, I might have a Vision Pro. I am not. I don't know. I mean, it's, it was quite interesting. There was a video of Mark Zuckerberg basically giving his, in a heavily inverted commas, review of the Vision Pro. Surprise, surprise. He says, our product is a lot better. Um, I mean, the case I've made before is that actually Apple doesn't need the Vision Pro to be a hit, right? It just needs to make sure that whatever meta comes up with is not a hit. Because if, if it sacrifices the next, you know, vector of computing to a competitor then it's got a big problems in its hands if it's right. smart glasses you know visual, uh, virtual reality augmented reality mixed reality whatever right. you want to call it if that doesn't take off as a category it's not really the end of is, the world for apple the problem is that if it does and apple's not in there
2: is a non-financial guy when the financial people say apple has an ecosystem of what is it 2.2 billion paul yeah. yep. something like that do you see that growing out ginormous to like 3 billion people? Is there just an endless Apple universe out there?
5: hard to see how that happens without really going down into more affordable devices, right? Like, you know, the reason that Apple has managed to continue growing earnings per share at a feral clip, even as its top line growth has slowed or, or in fact, last year shrunk, is because it's able to sell more of the top of the range devices are, you know devices where you're selling 256 gigabytes of memory at a at a 85 percent gross margin right whereas the smaller cheaper devices do not have those sort of margins so um you know the if you're going to get to that next whatever market yep. Yep. of yep. another yep. billion people you probably need to be in the 100 200 Less than $300 range. And, and that's, I think what oh, I think Apple typically I, played well.
0: And when we talk to analysts, Alex, it doesn't sound like, just, let's just take in India for example, you could make the case that, boy, if they come in with a cheaper phone, <laughs> man, they can get huge market share there. And analysts kind of say, nah, they're going to stick with their high end products and wait for the middle class to grow out, you know, similar to what they did in China. I guess that's the way they're going to go there.
5: It's really fascinating, India, because it's such a price sensitive market. And if you look at Netflix's experience in that market where, you know, you think about, it, oh, we could have 400 million customers there. Well, you know, actually, are you going to get 400 million people to pay, um, you know, something in the order of twelve dollars a month? Almost certainly not. Certainly not yet. You know, it might be in a few years time. Now, if you if Netflix can't convince people to part with, you know, ten dollars a month, it, what's the likelihood of Apple being able to convince them to then actually download an iPhone? I'm sorry, download an iPhone, buy an iPhone, yep. then download a huge number of apps mm. of, you know, getting Apple Music, of getting right. iCloud, getting all these things which are the flywheel of earnings that that, that you know that come off the iPhone.
2: Alex, one final question, if I can. What's the buzz at the Apple store there? Where is it? Covent Garden? Yeah,
5: I was going to ask, where is the flagship I, Apple store in London? Well, I
2: think it's, is, am I right, Alex? Is it's it, there, is I think there's
5: one on Covent Garden. There's one on Regent Street. Yeah, there are yeah. quite quite a few swanky w- locations w- around What's a swanky
2: here. Covent Garden? I mean, Pharaoh, <laughs> every time I go to London, Farrell's hanging out in line there. But, you know, what's the what, what what's the buzz at the, the Covent Garden store?
5: I mean, look, I've from social media at least, I've not been down there myself recently no but it's like you know everybody wants to try the vision pro how many you're actually buying it different matter now it doesn't look like there's a massive amount of supply anyway so um, okay. you know people want to try it there's mm-hmm. some suspicion that once people try it maybe you will get more people buying it but like again okay. that's something where the price has to come down
2: Alex Thank you. Alex Webb, brilliant there, in use of cash among these young turks. Paul, to me, this is a huge deal. I've complained
0: for years. Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs, to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio.
1: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
2: Now, a look at the front pages. What's making news around the world? Your daily roundup of today's headlines from major publications. Today's pictures and Catchers headlines, of course, always brought to you by Interactive Brokers Bond Marketplace. Access Interactive Brokers Vest Selection. Of over 1 million global fixed-income securities, there are no markups or built-in spreads and low transparent commissions. Learn more at IBKR.com bonds. <laughs> I got an email from Mrs. Keene. It's not pitchers and catchers today. No. It's Valentine's
0: Valen- Day. Oh, that's <laughs> what I hear. I didn't what i hear i didn't know that lisa <laughs> what do you could got you
6: forget Valentine's. Day. you too the first story is about valentine's I want to day shock! So here we go
2: nah, pick them up in the control room I mean,
6: and mrs keene is going to love this one okay so the wall street journal is saying self-gifting is on the rise so spouses are tired of getting gifts that they basically don't like so they're going to buy what they like. So
2: they're <laughs> no! Gonna
6: we're going to the store and we're buying our own gifts. And then you have those who are single, they're treating themselves. You have Valentine's Day. That's a thing now. Oh, my my what daughter is and her Day? friends had a Valentine's Day party. They have parties. It's all the girls, all the single girls. Valentine's. What's Valentine's? Galentine's? All the single girls, gals.
2: There <laughs> gals. You go. I get yes. it. Oh, yes. Okay. A little <laughs> there slow there.
6: Go. But it's oh, okay. good for retailers, right? Because people are starting to shop a little bit more. And you even had De Beers jewelry. They're offering right hand ring collection instead of oh, the really? Oh. Do they have pinky rings? <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs>
2: okay,
0: I mean every every girl needs a pinky. I ring. love this quote yeah. in in this Wall, Wall Street Journal story. My husband is amazing. But he has trouble figuring out my taste
6: sometimes that happens yep.
2: yes Valentine's day Gal- See, you you learn every, something. We learn every day every, every, day. <laughs> every day next <laughs>
6: okay business insider has this apparently wealthy californians are ditching the state and they're going to beverly hills of arizona which is paradise valley nice. arizona i don't know if any of you either of you have ever well, been i go to here. scottsdale well, I, I'm, I'm
4: sorry
2: yeah. we we did this for sweeney i mean i saw this in it you know hi and i yes. would never be looking at this but you know <laughs> paradise paul this just says you
0: it does it i mean does. golf courses celebrities I mean, perfect go there. yeah exactly
2: 85253 good morning
0: Yep, <laughs> absolutely
6: right. it's it's they want the privacy they want the luxurious lifestyle lower taxes also And the quality of life. Yeah, it's nice.
2: Like it's it's outside something. Phoenix. I don't think it's Tucson. I think it's more like between like Phoenix, Scottsdale. Yeah, Phoenix. What's what's it like there in the summer though, Paul?
0: Oh brutal. I mean, I think it gets even worse. I mean, hundred degree days. Now you can you can talk about dry heat all you want, but you know, one hundred and ten is one hundred and ten. So, so fancy People like you with like a winter home there, and there. I think so. I think that's what. But a lot of people are out there kind of full time now. I mean you know you see you hear the stories about folks leaving california for a variety of reasons yeah. mm-hmm. um whether going to idaho or going to colorado or now arizona you know so um
2: paradise can you paradise see paradise it? valley is bloomberg surveillance tom Keene with no life in new york city joining us now paul sweeney in paradise, <laughs> paradise, paradise valley, valley, valley. arizona from it. the golf course <laughs>
0: from the golf
6: course all right uh this is from the wall street journal apparently there's a no-fly list for dogs and yeah, your pet I'm, could be on it. I don't know if you take the dogs with you when you travel, Tom, on an airplane. But, but a lot more people do. Yeah, a lot more people. Especially since COVID. Yes. When a lot more people yes. were buying the dogs. Um, and the carriers are cracking down. Apparently they're biting their their banning them for different reasons whether they bite where they go to the bathroom where they don't behave right but they're putting a mark on their record so when you check in yeah. there's going to be a big flag there that says well, Your when, dog when matt go. miller
0: relocated this is years ago relocated oh, yeah. from new york to berlin he posted a picture on social media his dog God, I forget the name. It's the worst dog name of all time. But it was a huge dog. <laughs> oh, no. Had his own first-class seat on the plane right next to Matt. So okay, Bloomberg do do paid for the dog really? the talk to go over to Germany. So I don't know how that works. be You
2: listening. do. You pay like yes. 125 bucks or something
0: yep. <laughs> for but,
6: the dog.
2: what do you do on a long flight? I mean, I'm asking for a friend. We're, <laughs> we're thinking of taking a <laughs> vet bill kennel fee to Paris here to see, uh, you know, one of the offspring misses him terribly. Flight. But I don't, I don't get it.
0: They have to fit under the seat in front of you, I think, is the, is the thing. And yeah, you have to put them in a little bag. What, what and do you carrier? do
2: four hours in when well, the dog is at you? That's yeah. your problem. <laughs> I don't.
0: I, I simply
2: don't get it. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast, bringing you the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. You can also watch the show live on YouTube. Visit the Bloomberg Podcast channel on YouTube to see the show weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern from our global headquarters in New York City. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen, and always on Bloomberg Radio, the Bloomberg Terminal, and the Bloomberg Business App.
1: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card.